Okay. All right. All right. All right. So, I have to tell you, this is a you know I. I feel vindicated here, all right? This is like a good idea. Good ideas are good ideas, no matter how much people make fun of them, all right? I'm thinking you're not catching the moral of this story. <laughs> no, well, listen, numbers don't lie, man. Numbers don't lie. Let's see now. i got to open up this thing here. Um, Jeb, I thank you for, 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 for defending me here and for, for making my case, all right? I, I, I wasn't doing that, but go ahead. Jeb. Uh, retweeted. Um, uh, come on, come on up on my screen. Why is my internet connection so slow this morning? This could not bode. This may bode badly. All the NSA overhead. Yeah, that's what it is. I'm sure. Were, you uh, weren't in Washington last week, were you? No, no, not the. Nope. That's my story. I'm sticking to it. No, I absolutely right. was not in Washington last week. Uh, Jeb Burnside. Burnside J has re, has uh, retweeted a uh, um, a tweet from someone Ian Ian. Petchnik, uh, uh, and uh, who has pointed out, has observed, assuming these numbers are correct, that uh, that over the years, seven, 2017 onward, um, the number of times that Mashable has uh, has has had the circular runway tweet reappear. It grows every year. More and more support. Every year, more and more people come to realize what a great idea the circular runway is. That's not That's not what this data shows. What, what, what do you think it shows? This is simply the number of times a bait click site has posted the same item on Twitter. I think that evidence is a certain... Uh, that's all this data shows. You know, not taking bait clicking seriously. Bait clicking is a sign of the people. It's the sign... It's a, it's what... It, it, it's a measure of public... Public. <laughs> it's a measure of public reaction to something most of them don't understand. Uh, and I got my terms reversed. It should be clickbait, but... Yeah, I know. I get it. I, I knew what you meant. But, and uh, uh, it's like uh, it, it, one of the things I love about this this little bar chart that they've made here. You know, so it's, it's, <laughs> they use the Picard, number the, the card holding his hand. The number the, the bars grow bigger and bigger, and as the gr- bars grow bigger and bigger, you get to see what the image is that's in the bar, and it turns out that it's uh, Captain Picard holding his head and his forehead in his hand, going, you know, presumably going, oh god, his considerable forehead. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, all right. Yes, you don't think yes. that this is a sign that uh, I don't think this is. I, I see. This is just data on on occurrences. It's it doesn't um, lend any credibility to the validity of the occurrence. But 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 no. I think I think you're making a very arbitrary disconnection here. All right. You know, the fact that it appears so often could be a sign that there are people who get it, who say, yeah, absolutely. Or it could be a sign that an assistant webmeister had, didn't have anything else to put up that particular hour and reran the old round runway thing. For the clickbait site, Lord yeah. knows I, Lord knows I've done that on this podcast many times. So yeah, pardon my ignorance, but no, whiskey tangle, foxtrot, and mashable. It's a clickbait site. It's a, it's yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a. I don't know how to characterize it, but it's a site that has all kinds of little stories. It's a news story aggregation site, Reddit ish. Did, did Jeb say clickbait site? Yes. Yeah, okay. well, that's 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 Jeb being disrespectful. That's, that's Jeb that. being disrespectful, and uh, uh, well, it, you know, it's, th- it's, that's me saying I ain't clicking there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, you know, it's just just this one weird trick that'll get you uh, seen and, and notified and, and known, and uh, and maybe get you more dates. Yeah, yeah. Well, and okay, this one weird um, trick. All right. Well, then we're gonna have to leave circular runway on the table. It's just still un, un, undecided as to. Uh, let's see. Let me do a little bit of quick math here. Let's see. Thirty-eight and two is forty. Sixty-nine, seventy. Seventy-three times in five years. Yeah, that's not exactly what I'd call a trend. Okay. Uh, but last year, last year, perhaps in in response to uncontrolled airspace's uh, discussion of this particular topic, last year they ran this piece more than once every ten days. Yeah, see, we're 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 uh, we're trendsetters. Um, Email. Uh, so we. You going to stick with that, or are you going to move on? I'm going to move on. I'm absolutely. Let's, 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 let's definitely do that. Yeah. Um, 
So we we took such a long break where we didn't record um, that I've I've lost track on some things here. All right, and so um, some of my, my I cannot find any record that we talked about this email. I want to. It's a good email, and and it deserved mention. The problem is that this morning when I was preparing for this episode, I kept staring at this email, going, "Didn't we talk about this? I thought we talked about this." But then I went digging back through the old show notes, and I could not find any I don't reference think we to talked it. About the, I haven't seen these images before. And and if think. the oh, okay, that's a good sign then. All right, maybe I just. I read it so many times in the interim that I thought we had. So, um, an email from listener Sean M. Uh, you sure you weren't in Washington last week? Yeah. Um, um, I, I've just been shaken and stirred by the whole event. <laughs> yes. Uh, um, yes. Email from Sean M. This is actually from uh, um, mid-November, um, and, but uh, uh, it's following up on a conversation we had. So this goes back. What was the? What was the? Uh, this was the. Hmm. Where did this start? This was the video we watched about the uh, runway incursion of a. Of, I think it was like a 172 that taxi right, onto the, the runway. Right. The 172s. Yeah. Yeah. In yeah. in front of another. I don't know. 172 or another small aircraft that then did a did a go around at the last second. All right. Um. And uh. And um, we, it was from an airport named, and then we got another email, perhaps from Sean um, or from someone else, telling us that that was an airport named Morobin in uh, in Australia, and I was unsure how to pronounce it. Anyway, so uh, reading Sean's email, Sean says, "Good day, Jack. Uh, been listening to your podcasts uh, for a long. I'm going to paraphrase a little bit here. Just listened to your last podcast too. Thought I'd be able to make some corrections on how to say the airport name. Um, it is said like this, but then the problem is I can't. I'm not sure if I'm interpreting his his description." Morabin. 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 He And I'm not exactly sure where the emphasis on these syllables would be, but Morabin, okay? Uh, he describes it as one of the busiest airports in Australia, used for GA and training. Uh, he also points out to us that Tim Tams, uh, the uh, chocolate bars, chocolate candies, uh, cookies, uh, biscuits, whatever you want to call them, are very good for sucking up coffee, he says, which... Uh, I can believe that. I've heard that yeah. elsewhere. Yeah. Um, and he offers to uh, to mail me some um, if I provide him with an address. And, and I may do that. We'll see how that goes. Um, and then uh, what's what else here? Uh, let's see now. Uh, oh, yeah. And then he weighs in on the whole uh, uh, Australia versus New Zealand Tim Tam thing, which I'm going to – I've already blown my – credibility on the circular runway thing this morning, so I'm not going to dive into that. Um, but uh, he talks about having just flown his Jabiru J200 halfway around Australia, and we certainly have heard from uh, uh, Sean in the past about this airplane. I know yeah, we've talked about yeah. this airplane, but he talked about having flown, flying it all around Australia, um, and he sent us some pictures uh, from flying his, his uh, airplane all around Australia. Um, and uh, Yeah, the airliners are at Alice Spring. Yeah, which if you look at an Australian map, it's, way uh, it's about as far out in freaking nowhere as yeah. you can get. It. Yeah, he uh, at the time he wrote, as I understand it, back in mid-November, Australia was still uh, almost all of Australia was in pretty good shape, COVID-wise. Um, it, since then, it's starting to have another outbreak. Nothing like our outbreak, but they are starting to clamp down again. But uh, they, they were doing well at the time. Um, but he was traveling around here. Let's see now. He says, uh, see the photos of the airliners parked up. Uh, he said, oh, we, we wondered whether they used ForeFlight in Australia, yeah. um, software ForeFlight. And he says, we don't use ForeFlight. Um, but they have their own. I, yeah, I'm not sure what he means. This seems like a weird typo. Anyways, he he seems to say that they use a, a piece of software called Oz Runways, uh, which he says is our version of ForeFlight. See the screenshot, and there's a screenshot down lower here of uh, of that software. So, uh, anyways, um, yeah. it's uh, I, I, it's definitely on my bucket list to visit Australia and New Zealand for that matter. Um, um, but uh, it, and and you're right, David. Out in the middle of nowhere, Australia is apparently seriously in the middle of nowhere. Um, and uh, I would I would love to see it. I think it must be quite a spectacular thing. Um, um, lots of places in Australia strike me as being pretty cool. So, uh, anyways, uh, any thoughts on this stuff, either of you guys? Um, I'd like I'd like to be able to collect on the parking fees that are charged. Oh yeah, really? Uh, yeah. Airliners all over America. No, that's it's very cool email. Very cool uh, images, especially. Yeah. I like the I like the airplane. Yeah. Cool. Thank yeah, you, at Sean. first I thought it was a cardinal, and then I went, no, it's got struts. This can't be a cardinal. 
Yeah, no, it's this Jabiru, or uh, is Jab because it's a Jabiru engine and a Jabiru airplane, right? Right, and, it's the uh, same company. It, is it okay? All right, yeah. So uh, yeah, but it's a cool looking airplane. I've heard good things about Jabiru's, both the engines and the airplanes over the years. So excellent, excellent. Thank you to Sean M from Australia for checking in. Oh, the best way to save on maintenance shipping costs is to buy all the parts from where they're made, Australia. Yeah. Finally, uh, here uh, in our sort of follow-ups feedback, uh, uh, we heard from our friend Charlie Becker at uh, EAA, uh, who uh, reminded us, and I don't know whether we talked about this, whether we've mentioned this in the past or not, but he did ask, he remind us that EAA's home builder uh, division is holding a uh, online event uh, coming up pretty soon now uh, called Home Builders Week. Uh, the head, of the the slogan of which is Learn, Build, Fly. Um, they, uh, join us on January twenty-six through thirty. I'm reading from. The uh, the web page, not from Charlie's email. Join us on January twenty sixth, thirty to thirtieth, twenty twenty one, during the first EAA Home Builders Week online event. Experts from every corner of the home built air- aircraft community will bring their knowledge and information to builders everywhere through free and interactive web- webinars. Uh, lots of different topics are going to be covered, and uh, you know you can uh, like so many events, it's uh, it, going to do online uh, presentations and, and I don't know what exhibits and uh, there's a schedule event here. So if you go into the show notes, you'll see a link to this, or you can just go to. Uh, I know it's kind of complicated. If you go to ea.org, though, I'm sure you'll find links to the Home Builders Week. I think it's uh, it's fitting that they picked January 26th uh, because that was the date of the very first meeting of what became the Experimental Aircraft Association. Really? 1953, but January 26th. So it's it's, it's EAA's birthday. And I think it was in Paul's basement. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in in Mil- Milwaukee, right? Milwaukee or Hales Corners? I'm not sure which. But okay, they're side Hale- by side. So. Yeah, okay. I don't know Hales Corners. So that's is that like a a suburbs? I'm making finger, finger quotes. A suburb. Yeah, and that's where Milwaukee. their headquarters was before they moved out to the new yeah. building uh, at uh, Whitman Regional. Yeah. So. Um, January 26th through 30. Coming up soon, because we're yeah. recording this on the 13th. This will get posted around the 15th-ish. So uh, <laughs> I know you think I shouldn't I'm, do I'm that. I'm sorry. Did that, this is, that didn't mute? Yeah, right. I, I think <laughs> this is my new technique here. I'm trying to like, you know, what's the saying? Throwing your hat over the wall, right? I'm trying to like, trying to get these things out there so that I, I, I'm, I'm trying you know. to get spaghetti at the wall. No, no, no. There's the thing about... Uh, the, 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 now you're going to make me look this up, but it's an old, I don't know, parable <laughs> oh, sorry. about the, the kid worse, who, fate the kid worse than death. Who, what? You broke fate, up there for a second, Jeff. A fate worse than death. No. You're having kid, to look something up. <laughs> the, kid who, the kid who needed to do something, he needed to be on the other side of the wall and he wasn't sure he had the, whatever it was going to take to get over the wall. And so he took his hat and he threw his hat over the wall. And now he, in order to get his hat back, he had to climb the wall. He had to do it. All right. And so that's listeners like, are going like, to back me up on this. That's, this like, is a the, that's like the joke from, from the movie uh, Memphis Bell. For the, the 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 airman gets shot down, and uh, he's injured, and uh, they have to amputate his leg, and they amputate the leg, and and uh, he says, "I just have a request. Can you can you send an airplane over to my side and drop this uh, uh, at my former airbase?" So the Germans do this, and uh, a few days later, um, he still he still injured. Have to they have to amputate a y- an arm. And you know, can you again? Can you drop this at my former airbase? And the Germans say yes, and they do so. And uh, sure enough, a few days after that, they have to amputate the other leg. And he again, he says, "Guys, can you you know please just drop this at my former uh, my former base?" And the Germans say, "Nine, we think you're trying to escape." <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what you're doing with throwing a hat over the wall. Yeah, okay, not really, but okay. okay was, never it's mind. An interesting story. Never it's mind. Very, very radar O'Reilly story, but yes, okay. Yes. Um, yeah. So, uh, but a boom. Home Builders Week, January 26th through 30. If you're uh, building or thinking of building or just interested in the whole thing, check out the home build online uh, sessions that are and part the, of it. And the link we'll have in the show notes will yeah. take you to the page where you can register. 
Ding, ding, ding. Absolutely. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. So, anyways. Uh, hi, Jeb. How you doing? What you been doing? What's going uh, on? Not a whole lot. Um, it's it's kind of cold down here. Did it snow far. there? Yeah. I mean, I, it has not snowed here yet. I saw I saw a chart the other day. I was trying to figure out. I I saw a chart, and and Florida is one of the few areas in America that has so far this winter had exactly the amount of snow expected. Well, I would. <laughs> I thought I put, that was amusing. I put Hawaii uh, in that, but uh, um, also, yeah. but. Uh, um, it's right now. It's just cloudy and overcast. Uh, you hear an airplane go over, and you can't see it because the overcast is so low. And mm-hmm. and uh, you know that might sound like um, uh, you know the smallest violin in the world playing "My Heart Bleeds" just for you to some of our listeners, but it's odd for this time of year for uh, for Florida, and it's. Uh, it's uh, kind of chilly, so I've got you know I've got like sweatpants on and, and stuff and, and sh- things on my feet to keep them warm. It's, it's, yeah, okay. Uh, my heart bleeds. I know. It's, 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 you got socks on too? No, no socks. I just have shoes on. <laughs> it ain't that cold yet. But it ain't that cold yet. That's exactly right. <laughs> but, <laughs> but long pants. You're not wearing shorts. I'm not wearing shorts. I tried that and then just couldn't couldn't deal with it. So. Uh, yeah, uh, but uh, one of my friends. I you know, so I I grew up, of course, here in New England, and and at, at a certain point in my life, I and a bunch of my friends, we all sort of emigrated temporarily out to the San Francisco Bay Area, um, and one of my friends decided that from the day he moved to California, he was not wearing long pants ever again. Right, and Southern Californians do this all the time. It's routine. It's a little bit more unusual up in San Francisco. But he yeah. so he he started wearing short pants every. He said he said that's it. I'm wearing short pants every single day from here on out. And he basically did. Um, he used to wear long pants one day of the year. <laughs> um, this is my friend Sherman. Who do you have? Right, I think you, right, you know right, the name. Right, you don't right. know. You never met him. I don't think, unfortunately. No. But uh, um, uh, he uh, he would wear shorts every. He said one day a year I don't wear shorts. One day a year I wear long pants and a, a, a button up shirt and a necktie, and and that's on Halloween. He said because that's the scariest costume I can possibly think of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, uh, yeah uh, my, my friend Sherman Boyson, may he rest in peace. Oh, uh, well. Um, so, uh, yeah, you've, uh, you, went fly- you went flying. You did something. I, I did. Um, um, finding, you know, between my personal life and the weather and finally all, you know, it all cooperated the other day. And I went out and did some aviating. And uh, um, it's good. I, you know, I got some, you know, still got things to tweak on the airplane. They're just not quite like I want them. Uh-huh. And some of that was just a test flight. Some of that was just just, you know, burn some gas and and um, get some some more time on the new engine. But right, uh, yeah, excellent. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, just kind of puttering around the house, uh, kind of keeping an ear out for the latest news, and um, yeah. um, um, saving up my strength for the next onslaught of getting a magazine out the door. Yeah, really. So. Um, uh, one thing I did want to talk about. Yeah. Um, just want to make sure that some of our listeners who may be scratching their heads over this, there was a Indonesian airline crashed uh, a few days ago. Yeah. Uh, what's the story with this? It was a 737-500, um, not a 737 MAX. Right. That's the clarification I want to Yeah, everyone is make. being quick, and I think we should yeah. include ourselves. This was yeah. not a 737 MAX. But what what... what do we it's, know anything about what happened? We don't know much more. What We know the facts in that it took off, appeared to be climbing normally. It was out of 11,000 feet. Uh, there was a little jig to its its course, and it entered a, a high rate of descent and hit the water. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think there's 62 aboard passengers and crew, and, of course, they were all killed. The airplanes in multiple pieces. They yeah. did find... Uh, reportedly, they did find the flight data recorder. Right, uh, I saw a picture also, of. They're also of, saying they have not found the seat, the cockpit voice recorder, and I'm, I don't know why that is. But, yeah, I mean, obviously that you know stuff happens, but uh, the two are mounted rel- relatively close together. Yeah, and, and but I think I think. I think likely they will. This is a, not the kind of dramatic ocean crash that we've been thinking about in other instances recently. Well, for I've one thing, it's a place that the water is only like seventy-five feet. That's deep what there. I've heard too. I mean, that's that's sport. That's sport diving. Yeah, easy. right. So um, it seems likely that they'll find all the pieces eventually. Yeah. And, uh, um, but yeah, uh, it, 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 puzzling. 
puzzling. Yeah, um, I, I, you know, it's hard to from here. It's hard to figure out what happened. I mean, there's some obvious uh, uh, choices, but none of them are. Uh, we don't have any information. Probably won't have much information. Uh, well, I mean, we'll have the flight data recorders. That won't. I don't know what that'll tell us relative to this this particular airplane and the way it was equipped. Um, it might tell us a great deal about you know yoke position and things like that. It may not. I don't know. It'll certainly tell us you know uh, position of the controls or position of the flight services, status of, of various uh, the flight director, the autopilot, yada yada. Um, but that might not might not be enough if there was some kind of a catastrophic failure. I want to know what the pilots were talking about in the cockpit. Jack, what are you doing? What's going on with you? I don't know. <laughs> so, Segway did he go, George? Segway did he go. Yeah. Um, you know, so I'm prepping to actually work. I don't know if I've mentioned this on the podcast, but uh, yeah, for the first time in 10 months, uh, I, I am, uh, a variation on my day job has, has an opportunity has arisen. And so I'm, I'm going to be helping out sometime in the near future with a uh, with an online conference that's being produced by one of our clients. And so we're helping them with some of the coordination and some of the uh, interconnectivity. And it's all pretty interesting stuff. It's new to me, this whole subject of how the, the back end of how you put on a streaming conference. So we've seen so many streaming conferences in the past year, and uh, and to uh, to learn a bit about how this is done, or at least how we're doing it, and uh, and then to actually do it um, is pretty interesting. Um, and so uh, so I'm involved with that. And what else am I involved with? I don't know. Just you know, keeping busy, exercising, uh, waiting my turn for vaccination, and uh, you know, stuff. Um, it's been unseasonably nice up here. That's what the st- I alluded a little while ago to the uh, to the chart, the map that showed the relative snowfall, um, and uh, and uh, we are in a part of the country up here that we're about six or seven inches behind the typical snowfall for New England. Um, and in fact, there's essentially no snow on the ground now at all. A few places where there used to be big piles, but uh, there's no snow cover right now at all. And uh, we're about to get. Uh, I think on Saturday we're going to get like like an inch and a half of rain on Saturday. Um, and, and, uh, but it, and apparently it's very reliably going to be rain. And then, uh, we might get an inch or so of snow next week sometime, but, uh, so no, it's just, we're, yeah. we're already ahead on snowfall. Yeah, that's right. And that's, that was part, another part of this chart was, uh, um, was that, uh, uh, other parts of the country, most not- notably yours is, is ahead of the game. But, uh, anyways, so, uh, so that's what I've been up to here. Um, before we move on here, let me just say a few words of thank you to our listeners. Um, and, and to remind you, or, 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 or with respect, ask you, if you like what we're doing here with the podcast, please consider supporting it with a financial donation. Um, as little as a few dollars a month really helps us uh, in enabling us to do this podcast. Uh, you can send individual donations to the UCAP tip jar via PayPal. Um, as uh, We've gotten... Uh, a handful of uh, of tip jar uh, look, uh, donations recently, and we really appreciate that. Thank you to Mark L. and Ed K. and John D. and Mark Michael S. and others for their support of the podcast through the PayPal tip jar. Um, or you can become an automatic monthly supporter uh, via Patreon. Uh, and we'd like to thank some of our Patreon supporters, Antonio S., Don M., Sergey Z., Stephen D., Kenneth M. and a whole bunch of other people uh, who support us on Patreon. Um, all of you, the PayPal and the Patreon folks, uh, you guys are the best. We really appreciate it. For in- yeah, it helps if, 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 if uh, listeners like you, you know, we're a little bit like public television. We don't charge for this. We ask you to support us through your donations and to remember that we don't run on AA batteries. Exactly right. For, for more information about providing automatic monthly support, check out patreon.com slash uncontrolled airspace, or you can make a PayPal donation to the email address podcast at uncontrolledairspace.com. And you can get all of this information again by clicking on the box in the right-hand column of the UCAP homepage. That's at uncontrolledairspace.com. Thank you very much. 
What's next here? Uh, oh, this is a cool story. This is a really, really cool story. That yeah, almost, it is. Only came to my attention in the last couple of days. So I'm going to read a few words out of a uh, what is effectively a press release. Um, it was published um, on uh, on LinkedIn. Um, the uh, I believe that this woman Ann not K N A B E Nabi Nab Nabe um, is public relations force uh, Civil Air Patrol. Um, or possibly Air Force Reserve. She writes, uh, My Air Force Reserve life as an emergency preparedness liaison officer has taken me to so many interesting places, and I've met so many incredibly incredible people. Hats off to two Civil Air Patrol pilots, she writes, who moved vaccine last week for Indian Health Ser- the Indian Health Service with the vaccine monitored by two U.S. public health uh, services pharmacists. Uh, thanks for the opportunity to connect at this mission. Uh, the mission is to a place called, Bur- Bur- I think it's Bemidji, yes. which is a, uh, a a place in, I believe, in Minnesota. Yep. Um, and the uh, the two CAP pilots involved are are, are uh, Rob- Robert Bowden uh, and Rod Rakick. And that's how this came to my attention. Rod's friend, a friend uh, of the podcast, a good friend. Rod Rakick. And uh, and a good friend of the podcast, and uh, and very very active. If you follow him on social media, you know that Rod is very very active in Civil Air Patrol, um, and uh, and was involved in uh, this special flight. To uh, so I was talking with Rod, and I just wanted to read a couple words that Rod sent me um, uh, by uh, by private message here. So Rod, uh, 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 we were chatting um, in uh, Twitter direct message about this, and uh, I, w- I was asking him. Uh, and basically, I wanted to know whether or not this, this was a, a regular Civil Air Patrol mission or, or a special case. Um, and and he wrote to me, this was an emergency delivery run tasked by FEMA for the Indian Health Services. Their clinics are too small and too far apart for the no- normal cold chain shipping methods. It would have been impossible to deliver it by truck. And so he was part of a crew of uh, pilots and uh, pharmacy folks and and health service people um, who uh, took a a pretty big load of... of COVID vaccine to apparently a number of different destinations um, in remote areas of uh, way up there in the northern U.S. And so uh, um, congratulations to everybody in this program, to the civil... Uh, and, and yet another example, not only of how Civil Air Patrol um, is valuable to us, but general aviation in general um, is a way to to save lives, literally, um, um, in, in ways that uh, uh, their other transportation methods are, are, are not as effective. So thank you to everybody involved here. Yeah. yeah. Um, one word of, I don't know, caution for lack of a better word. Um, if you're going to be flying vaccine, more power to you. Uh, good luck. You, you know, uh, bless you. Um, be very careful how you deal with this particular cargo because of the dry ice it's packed in. Yep. Mm-hmm. Dry ice at, at, at survivable, you know, human survivable temperatures, room temperatures, whatever. Um, uh, um, sublimates. It gives off uh, vapor. It, it doesn't pass through a liquid state. Uh, the vapor it gives off is carbon dioxide. Ah, carbon okay. dioxide is what we exhale. It's not what we inhale. Right, and it can displace the oxygen in a in a small tight space like a, a light airplane. Um, so just be very careful. Make sure that uh, you know what you're doing. That's there's, a very there, good point. There's a lot of there's a lot of guidance out there from uh, um, the FAA. Um, there's a SAFO. I, I talked about it in the, in the February issue of, of uh, Aviation Safety. Uh, if anybody's curious, you know, hit me up on Twitter or something like that, and I'll find it for you. But uh, it's not, you know, if you're in a typical breezy airplane with the windows open and and the vents open and, and all this kind of thing, uh, it's it's probably not a deal. If you're in a pressurized airplane or you got it's cold and you got everything buttoned up, it could be a deal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So uh, do some research and just don't launch blindly without considering this ramification. 
That's a good point. That's a good point. And uh, so there's actually, um, and and we'll have some links in the show notes um, to more information about this, including some video. Um, And and Rod describes, um, in in describing the whole mission to me, um, this was not a case of them piling some cases into the baggage I'm sure it wasn't. I know Rod better than that. Um, They they actually had a, a, I believe, like a pharmacist or an an expert there actually wrangling and, and minding the cases. Um, so there was a lot of thought, more than just a little bit of thought, went into this mission. And uh, but your your point about CO two is one I hadn't considered, and it's a good point. Um, it's it's um, Sappho uh, two zero zero one seven Sappho Sierra Alpha Foxtrot Oscar safety alert for operators. It's available on the FAA website. Okay, it is geared toward um, commercial operations. Uh, the title here is Transportation of COVID-19 Vaccines Requiring Large Quantities of Dry Ice. Um, you get to decide what is a large quantity of dry ice. Okay. Um, Send me is, that link. I'll make sure it gets in the show notes. Well, uh, I will. Uh, this is dated uh, December 10 of, of 2020. So. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Um, let's see now. So... Uh, Abweb likes to. I think it's his Abweb. Abweb likes to publish these little surveys. Of to, you know, do you like flying on Tuesdays or Wednesdays? <laughs> that was that was hot. I love Abweb. Abweb is, is a tremendous resource, and they do some great work. But their their funky little polls kind of leave me scratching my head often. Um, but here's an interesting one. Um, they said, uh, should new pilots learn at a towered or a non-towered airport? Um, and I was just curious if you guys had an opinion. Um, I, I will. The question, so, the answer, my answer is yes. Yeah, and that's what most people's answer was. Uh, so is so is mine. Yeah, that, the, that's how I did it. The uh, does the uh, the Abweb survey, which of course is somewhat unscientific because it's whoever chooses to answer. But eighty one percent of the people who responded to the survey basically said what you guys just said, which is that they should fly regularly at both. Um, if you fact filter that out, let's see if there's any sort of trend here. Um, it's uh, it's basically eight percent towered, 5% non-towered, and 6% it didn't doesn't matter. Um, and then, like I said, 81. That, that's the one answer on the list I, I with which I must respectfully disagree. Which one? It definitely doesn't make any difference. Yeah. It does make uh, a difference. It, it shouldn't make, a, make difference. a difference, but it does make a difference. Um, yeah. But now, Okay. Well, let me ask you, let me ask the question a little bit differently then. Um so let's I, I and I agree with you by the way. I think it's important that you get your training in your primary training happen at both. I think that's very, very valuable and very important. All right. But does it matter where your training is based out of? Is it better if your training is based out of the towered airport or base better? Is it okay if it's based out of the non towered airport? Oh, uh, it's Defi- definitely the uh, it, it, it's definitely easier at a non towered airport. Okay. Uh because you don't have to get permission to taxi. You don't have to talk to departure. You don't have to talk to a tower. You and the flight instructor can get in the airplane, fire up the engine, finish the preliminaries, and go. And then go to the tower at airport and check in with them and start using their service in the way that it's designed to be used. And you'll find that there's... A, a, there's some definite differences in the experience of the two. Uh, but in terms of convenience for the training time that you're paying for, uh, I don't think it hurts to uh, be at a non-towered airport at all. And it makes it a little easier to get in and out. But uh, you need to spend... In my opinion, a third to half of your time operating in and out of towered airports and 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 doing full stops where you have to be handled by ground and get back in the queue and go and do it again. Because if all you're doing is touch and goes, you're missing a lot of the uh, exposure that uh, you need to get uh, from flying at towered airports. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Jeb, what do you think? I yes. agree. I, I agree. Uh, you, know, you, you, you pose the question, you know, which is better? Well, yep. better is a kind of a squishy term. Uh, depends. And uh, one, one of the things it depends on is, is how much time you're going to be spending uh, actually flying the airplane, taxiing the airplane versus talking on the microphone, talking to ATC. Mm-hmm. You're going to get more bang for the buck at a non-towered airport. Um, But it's critical. In fact, the FARs require you to have experience at a towered airport before you obtain the private certificate. Mm -hmm. Um, So you clearly have to do both. Um, You know, it also kind of depends on how busy that non-towered airport is. I I, I remember my first solo. I, there was at least two other airplanes in 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 the traffic pattern or coming and going from that airport. That was a long time ago, but um, it, we were kind of all self uh, self separating, if you will, talking to each other and and making sure that everybody knew what the other one was doing. Um, Air traffic controllers tend to keep that information to themselves, but uh, um, it, it's it, once I got my private and and shortly after that uh, moved out of the area, the airport that was closest to me was a towered airport, and I rented airplanes from an FBO there and flew them and had a good time and and got I would say. I wasn't uncomfortable, but certainly got more comfortable with um, using an air traffic control tower. And now, of course, it's not a big deal. Mm -hmm. Um, But um, you clearly have to have exposure to both, if only because that's what the FARs require. Yeah. Now, what about what about operating at the very least through Bravos and Charlies? So that was my, through what? A Bravo and Charlie airspace. Oh, um, absolutely. So that was my my situation. My uh, was that uh, my primary training was done at a tower airport, um, uh, Palo Alto, near San Francisco, uh, and uh, so I clearly uh, had that experience going. And and almost all of the other airports we used for training were also tower airports. Quite frankly, it was unusual when I. You know, when we got to the part of the training where we went to a non-tower airport, that was the real exception for me. Um, and pretty early on, now when, I don't, can't remember exactly how early on. I could look at my logbook, but pretty early on, um, I also had to get experience um, uh, uh, on how to get cleared through. I think we stayed out of the Bravo. It wasn't called a Bravo back then. This is back in the Wright Brother days. Terminal but, uh, control area. Yeah, but uh, but we used to travel through what's now called a Charlie all the time. Um, there was a particular uh, route that we used to take out to a, to you know various training areas, practice areas, and one of them involved coming back to Palo Alto from the south, which took us through the San Jose uh, um, Arsa now Charlie and uh, um, and and that experience you know learning how that works and and so forth was was a pretty early part of my training and I think it was great I'm glad we did it that way quite frankly it was year it was it you know it was it was a long time later that I had occasion to learn that there were people who were on who were uncomfortable talking on the radio that just foreign to me because it was just so natural so second nature to my the training that i did and uh, so. well it was my good for, good luck good fortune to uh buy an airplane for my training that was already hangered at an uncontrolled airport and less than 15 miles to the west was a towered airport with a charlie and a bloody busy one too because it was a factory airport for cessna and learjet and when i was working on my license uh, the business was booming and there was a lot of production flight test and a fair amount of experimental flight tests going on amid all the other airline traffic and business traffic and cargo flights that going in and out of India Charlie Tango. But then for an introductory cross country, my instructor took me to Kansas City. Mm, okay. And that's a Bravo. And we went up, we got permission to enter the Bravo. Uh, we did a full stop at uh, at uh, uh, Kansas City International, uh, taxied off, went in the FBO, had a cup of coffee, took a leak, fired back up, and then went through the whole rigmarole of 
getting the latest weather and and checking in and talking to ground, getting permission to taxi, taxiing to the runway, get permission to take off, took off. And then we stayed on flight following all the way back to uh, Augusta Municipal. Uh, it was tremendously helpful because the week after, and it, most of you have been listening to this, you've probably heard this before, but the week after my uh, private pilot check ride, uh, my late wife Annie and I took off for a two-week trip that that took us 1,100 miles from home and then 1,300 miles from home and then back again. And we had a pretty good mix of different types of airports on that two-week trip, mm. uh, and not to mention making my uh, my CFI uh, nervous as hell that uh, he never had a student go off after passing their check ride so recently and do a, what what turned out to be a 2,700-mile round-robin trip. Uh, but I'd done my my uh, dual and solo cross countries uh, in a way that gave me 12 hours of flying in one day. And I structured that abuse for myself around the idea that Annie and I would be taking that trip right after my check ride. And I wanted to make sure that I could put in 1,100 miles in a day in an airplane that could just about squeeze out 115 knots. And brother, let me tell you, you you never get more wired into how bad headwinds are when you're flying that slowly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think both. And as Jeb notes, uh, it was made part of the uh, uh, the farce as a requirement. And uh, on my check ride. We uh, did two approaches into uh, what was then called Mid-Continent, India, Charlie, Django. And the second one, he put me under the hood just for the experience of uh, watching the uh, needles on the uh, on the navigation indicator. And uh, said, I don't want you to have to do this without the rating, but you might have to someday. And so now you know how. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. While, while while we've been talking about this, I pulled up my copy of the private pilot uh, airman certification standards and and just did a control F search through there uh, for the for ATC and there's like 38 instances in the whole document yada yada, but I I did not see anything associated with class B C or or uh, uh, even class D airspace per se, okay. just ATC uh, to kind of answer one of Jack's questions. Yeah. Good. Okay. All right. Sounds good. David, what have you been up to? What's going on over there? And uh, so you've had more snow than usual. Uh, New Year's Eve evening, uh, we were back under a a, uh, highly restricted uh, uh, restaurant and bar uh, atmosphere. And I went out fairly early because the uh, New Year's Eve party I usually go to was uh, did not happen uh, this year. Uh, that was the uh, chili party that the Leprechaun organizes at Dead Cow International Airport. Uh, Without that on the agenda, with nobody else sewing parties, I just went out and hit a couple of my favorite places. Uh, a couple of my other favorite places it just didn't just didn't open that day, and uh, snow was in the forecast, so I cut it short. A beer in one place, an hour later, a beer at another. Uh, an hour later, I'm back at the house. I woke up about two o'clock in the morning and it had been snowing long enough that I had an inch uh, by the time I got up and had the uh, New Year's Day parades on the telly uh, we had seven inches and uh, made made an interesting morning for some people's drive because there were people who were got called into work because of the snow mm-hmm. and they had trouble getting there <laughs> But uh, yeah, we've we got officially they called it six and a half inches at the airport. In my backyard, it was uh, seven, and uh, I didn't even clean the car off until about 
three in the afternoon uh, because I decided that I was going to go out to eat. Sounds Frivolous good. thing, of course. But Eating? Yeah, I know. It's a... Uh, uh, yeah. Um, sounds good. You been working on anything fun? You got any good stories you want to tell us about? Well, I... Uh, Articles that are going to appear? The, the story that I've been telling lately is uh, uh, gratitude at my clients at how uh, fortunate I am that I started the year with about 54 projects already booked for 2021. And uh, if the events that are on the schedule actually happen, and I have some reservations about that, uh, if they actually happen, uh, I could pick up another 15, 16, 17 stories for the year. But I'm not holding my breath because I don't look that good as Papa Smurf. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Sounds good. All right. What else here? What's going on here? So, uh, I, I I love these I love these uh, postings that have a list of different kinds of airplanes. I, I you probably know that I if I see one of these, it goes on the list. This is the uh, this is the list of and uh, did I put it on the list? Maybe I didn't. I don't know. I but, think you uh, did actually. Yeah, top fifteen search and rescue airplanes, or as they say in this, aeroplanes. They spelled it the funny spelling A E R O P L A N E S. Um, this is from hushkit.net which is, uh, they describe themselves as the alternative aviation magazine. I'm suddenly, I'm suddenly um, thinking, I hope this isn't one of these joke sites and this is like not a real list, but it appears to be a genuine list. Um, some interesting airplanes on this list. You guys have looked at the list? It's, uh, I haven't um, seen this before, no. A lot of them are, are uh, amphib um, aircraft. Um, or, or, and uh, that's kind of makes sense because... You know, these are older airplanes. I would imagine that these days a lot of these kinds of amphib rescue missions are done by helicopters. Um, and back in the day, helicopters were not as effective for that kind of thing. Um, although the first one on the list looks like a firefighter. Let's see here. It's the... Uh, uh, oh, that's that's not even one of the 15. Maybe it is. Maybe it's down lower on the list because the first one is... That the looks Curtis like an Montgomery. Italian flying boat, actually. Yeah. And... Uh, <clears throat> And then we've got the, uh, oh, that's another Curtis. The, the Republic P-47 Thunderbolt, they list as being a, a, a rescue aircraft. Uh, just when you thought the mighty Jug, they call it. I've never heard it called the Jug. Uh, couldn't be any more amazing. You discover the eight-gun bruiser had a side gig saving lives. Um, surplus, the roaring surplus of horsepower got them to the scene pretty quick, too, uh, which was in vital importance for those requiring services. Um, not sure how it actually affected a rescue, perhaps dropping, you know, like rafts and stuffs to people. Um, but, uh, so that's that aircraft, uh, the Dornier D 24, big tri triple engine propeller plane. Looks like a, it's very Catalina. I was going to say, it looks like a PBY Catalina. Yeah. Um, with but, a third, uh, with a third engine. Yeah, with a third engine, sort of a, a triclops kind of look to it. And uh, you see what I did there? A triclops. Um, so there's that third one. Third eye blind. Uh, there's actually a photograph, uh, a contemporary photograph, one some in a museum. I wonder what museum this is. Uh, does it say? I'm trying not to get bogged down reading. I'm trying not to get bogged down. I, I, I had not seen this before. Be... I strolled right on past all that. Where are you? I'm looking at the, the, the still looking at the three-engine uh, uh, Catalina-like uh-huh, aircraft, yeah. and following the black and white picture is a color picture. It looks like a modern museum that has one. Oh, yeah. that's Dornier. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So there's that one, and then the B-29, the which is infamous for being the atomic uh, drum, up top atomic bomb drop aircraft, um, also had a, a rescue mission uh, uh, that uh, it it uh, participated in. So that's kind of interesting. Um, it also shows it for dropping the uh, the X X one the rocket planes. Uh, what else we got here? B seventeen as a rescue aircraft. That's kind of cool. Um, what are these? Is this a boat? That is it, so hanging. Oh, that's on, a. Yeah. Never mind. I'm looking at the B seventeen. So it's like the third, maybe the yeah, third B seventeen. The, the color picture or the. The third, the color picture, the one where we see, it yeah, shows yeah. the front, the nose, yeah, uh, and there's a yellow thing underneath. Right, it's a 
a lifeboat. It's a, it's yeah, a lifeboat. Yeah. And so what do they do? They drop that from the... They read the caption. Lifeboat. Read the caption. Uh, do I really have to read the caption? It's what I got you guys here for. After release, big parachutes. So uh, the rescue aircraft then roared by on an upwind course to one side of the quote-unquote target. It would then use its standard-issue bomb site to aim the air-launched lifeboat. After release, big parachutes slowed the lifeboat's descent enough to minimize the possibility of damage when it hit the sea. On impact, CO2 cylinders would automatically inflate buoyancy tubes, which also triggered a half a dozen rockets. The rockets would trail ropes with floats in multiple directions around the lifeboat to help downed airmen secure it. That's 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 pretty cool. Yeah, bloody cl- bloody clever. It is. Yeah. it truly is. It's very. I, cool. When I saw it hanging there, I had I had pictured them just kind of free dropping it from a from like a low pass. But no, apparently they drop it from higher and it par- partially parachutes in. That's cool. Yeah, remember in time of war, you don't want to get too close to the surface. Yeah. Uh, particularly if you're in the vicinity of whatever shot down yeah, right. the crew that you're trying to rescue. Mm-hmm. But boy, what a clever sequence. Parachutes yeah. to soften the landing and then rockets to deploy ropes and flotation devices. Uh, man, they didn't miss a trick on that yeah. idea. Very cool. The Avro Lancaster, uh, which is uh, seems to have a similar kind of uh, lifeboat uh, uh, stowed underneath it. And uh, let's see now. the uh, And now we're getting into some funky ones here. The Beriev B-12PS Chaika. And the name makes me think it's some sort of... Uh, see, I was going to say some sort of Russian aircraft, but I got we got ourselves in trouble last time. I got myself in trouble referring to airplanes as being Russian. Soviet. You're usually safe just using Soviet. Former Soviet. Let's call former it a former Soviet, Soviet yeah. aircraft. All right. So uh, um, the big red star on the tail. It's kind uh, of, yeah, it's kind of a, yeah. Uh, oh yeah, there it is. I see it. Okay. Um, here's an albatross. This is a more well-known aircraft here. Um, for rescue. Oh, man. The be-all and end-all world traveler. Which? The albatross? Oh, yeah. 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 Is that the one that... Uh, we, we typically see two or three or four of these at, at Oshkosh every summer. Um, they have their own little parking area down there by the ultralight field where all these big amphibs um, get side yeah, by side. Yeah, that's the seaplane and amphib area. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we, we tend to see the, a fair number of those. Um, what else here? The, another Heinkel uh, HE-59. It's an older, old biplane with twin floats. Uh, and then the C-130, uh, the, not C-130, the uh, Hercules uh, HC-130. Um, and it shows a picture of them dropping uh, some rescue stuff uh, off of the, uh, the lowered uh, loading ramp at the back. Um, cool. Yeah. Fun list. Everyone should take a look at this. Uh, uh, I think I've reached the end. So neat, neat airplanes. airplanes I think they. Yeah. I think this is a good idea. Airplanes. This may. They may actually become something. You know. And uh, yeah, you never know. I, it's, you know, uh, rescuing people off the water, delivering vaccine. Uh, um, you know, giving me giving us rides to expensive lunches. Um, I, I, I'm kind of you know keeping my my powder dry on making a definitive statement on this stuff. Okay, yeah, because you don't want to get right. You don't want to get too far out on a limb. I, I don't. No, no, no. Yeah. gotta play it safe. Yeah, I was reviewing some of my old calendar notes and things recently. I, uh, Jeb, I came across the uh, a reference to the time that uh, when I was visiting you and we flew down to Key West. Talk about expensive lunches, uh, <laughs> mostly for you, not for me, but uh, still. Holy cow! What? What's that? What, David? I'm just reading this uh, this little dissertation on the uh, HC-130 Hercules, mm-hmm. and uh, quick read. Any description of an airframe as the finest ever built is bound to be met with accusations of hyperbole, but the Lockheed C-130 Hercules has a very strong case for that title, excelling in most non-combat roles and even some combat roles. It was inevitable that the Herc would be adopted for search and rescue. Its combination of range, a U.S. Air Force HC-130 H, set a turboprop distance record flying 
8,372.09 miles from Taiwan to Illinois in 1972. Holy cow. At least you got room to walk up and unrefueled? stretch your legs. Or is it just not? Un- unrefueled, yeah. Not, unrefueled. Wow. wow. Yeah. That's. Uh, I'm sorry, say again, David. Did it say how long that flight was? 8,372.09 miles. I'm sorry, I, I meant in time. Does it say how, uh, uh, dur- time duration? It does not show me. Yeah, that's going to be a long flight. That's going to be, well, I mean, they, had, they might have had the mother of all tailwinds. Yeah, okay. I'm sure that's what made it workable. Uh, um, if, you, if you make a, a not insane case, case at uh, 250 right. miles an hour. Uh, that's a long flight, baby. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a long. But you day. can get up, walk around. There's a lavatory on board, right? Uh, and I'm sure can, they had multiple pilot crews on board. You go the, downstairs and stretch out on, on one of the uh, crew cots. Uh, it, you you could even run a grill back there if, as long as you opened up that uh, tail ramp. Okay, <laughs> I'm sure that's what made that made the difference. That made the whole thing tolerable. Um, anyways, cool list of airplanes. Cool, a lot of interesting pictures and obviously some interesting text. Uh, again, uh, uh, link in the show notes. Uh, to, wow, uh, there's one called the Walrus. The uh, Wikipedia page on the C-130. Yeah, has. Uh, uh, another little tidbit here. Talking about the AC-130, the attack uh, version with the with the, the Gatling gun sticking out the side. It says the AC-130 also holds the record for the longest sustained flight by a C-130 from 22 to 24 October 1997. Two AC-130U gunships. Through flew 36 hours nonstop from Hurlburt Field in Florida to, I cannot pronounce the, Taigu, South Korea, being refueled seven times mm. by KC-135 tanker aircraft. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Jeb, you got the Wikipedia page open. I think I saw this in there when I was researching a different story. The the I, It's a real favor of mine. That's I, yeah. I think it is to all of ours. I think I read that it's the C-130 is the longest continuous in-production military aircraft in history. I think that's true just on the face of yeah. it. Um, yeah. Because um, it's still in production now. It's still in production now. Yeah, it's because it's yeah, that's right. Yeah, and uh, although we've got aircraft that are operational that were manufactured earlier, they're no longer in production now. And uh, yeah, so uh, um, it says that here the C one thirty Hercules is the longest. Yeah, this is the last line in the first couple of graphs here, according to Wikipedia. Now the C one thirty Hercules is the longest continuously produced military aircraft at over 60 years um, with the updated C-130J Super Hercules current being the current model. Yeah. Very um, cool. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's plenty. I think it's fork time here. You guys got anything else you want to, uh, before we uh, wander off here? I don't know. Let's look at the list. Um, I I don't have anything else at this point. Okay. No. All right then. Well, thank you. It's always fun to get together. I appreciate it. Um, that's uh, let's see now. One of those guys is Dave Higdon, an aviation photographer and aviation journalist, and the U.S. editor for London's Ab Buyer magazine. You can find Dave's work online at abbuyer dot com, aea dot net, and on Twitter he's real Higdon. And Jeb Burnside is a freelance aviation writer and editor, serving as the editor in chief of Aviation Safety magazine. He's also a regular contributor to other. Other aviation publications. Online you can find Jeb's work at aviationsafetymagazine.com. His magazine is on Twitter as avsafetymag, and you can also find him at aea.net, avweb.com, and on Twitter he's Burnside J. And I'm Jack Hodgson. I'm a private pilot, a freelance writer, and a digital media producer. You can find me online most of the usual places with the all-one-word username Jack Hodgson. For example, Twitter.com, Jack Hodgson, YouTube, Jack Hodgson, Patreon, Jack Hodgson. You can find my eBooks on Amazon by searching for Around the Field in the Books section. And you can sign up for my email newsletter at jackhodgson.com. Hey, David, was there something you wanted to tell us? Oh, the key to long life? We know it's aviation because time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan. Bye-bye.
And that's enough talking. Let's go flying. On behalf of the group and ourselves, I hope we pass the audition. <laughs> Please raise your right hand. I, Cedric Mortimer Flapdoodle, do solemnly swear. I, Cedric Mortimer Flapdoodle, do solemnly swear. That the members of the Uncontrolled Airspace podcast are appearing as private individuals. Uh, that the, uh, the, the guys on this podcast are here because they want to be. And that their comments do not necessarily reflect the views of the various organizations with which they work. And they're not speaking on behalf of their employers. And anything you hear on this podcast that sounds like advice on aircraft operations. when they talk about airplanes. Is obviously very, very general. general. It's very so general. Don't get ahead of me, son. Sorry, sorry. You should always consider your situation, remember your training, and fly the aircraft. You should think about where you are, how you got there, and what to Congratulations. do. Congratulations. Thank you. All right. Uh, quickly. So uh, um, um, I just did the, uh, the uh, disclaimer. And now quickly, let's see. Now I had two or three things I want to talk about here. So first of all, I want to—I I sort of want to apologize. I sort of want to uh, uh, um, sort of talk, um, walk something back. Last episode, um, I repeated a, a rumor that I had heard over the years about whether or not Chuck Yeager was actually the um, first person to break the sound barrier. Okay, um, and and. Uh, and since then, I and I think you guys as well have done a lot of research, and and I just want to acknowledge that that I have been unable to find any backup to that statement that I made, and I just want to kind of be clear that that was just kind of a wild rumor that I'd heard about, and uh, um, and and I you know um, that'll Yeager, teach you these Chuck Yeager, right? I know Chuck Yeager was a was a legend, and uh, and uh, did a lot of great things. So there we go. The other thing I want to say here is uh, is uh, th- this is kind of kudos to Jeb. Um, uh-huh. I have to admit, I just kind of want to say this out loud because so in last episode, um, I was kind of talking about the new uh, Apple M1 CPU chip, <laughs> <laughs> and and Jeb at the time made reference to whether asked whether there was an M5 chip. All right, and 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 I didn't know exactly what he was referring to at the time. All right, I from the context, I kind of. I sort of made like I knew what he was talking about. I kind of like you know verbally nodded and said yeah, um, and I and from the context I sort of thought I knew what he was referring to, but I didn't know the specifics. And it was only later that I looked it up. And I have to like really give uh, uh, Jeb a shout out here for a very very classic uh, sci-fi reference here. Um, the the M the M five. So I my guess would have been that the M five had something to do with the Skynet Terminator um, lore, ah. um, but it turns out no the. Uh, uh, the M5 was one of the uh, 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 the super turned evil computers in the Star Trek universe, right? Right. Yeah, uh, and uh, that was I, I had to look it up, and 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 quite frankly, I, even reading the first few paragraphs, I'm going, wait a minute, do I remember this? Do I remember this? Um, but the more I read on it, the more it came back to me. But uh, well, so, if uh, that if that was the case, you're going to have to return that memorial lightsaber that you got for Christmas. Well, wait a minute, that's Star Wars. Don't get you know, see we're just we're crossing the beams. I just wanted here. to see whether you were paying attention. Yeah, no, no, no. Now we're really now. Yeah, okay, now we're really crossing the beams. That's the third one. Um, so, anyways, Jeb, congratulations. That was a good M five. That's a good reference, right, and uh, thank, thank um, it will be thank interesting you. to see what happens when Apple, because Apple will inevitably get to M five unless they ch- kind of come to their senses. And, uh, see, and they, I, I thought it was something to do with BMW. Yeah, no, no, there's well. a lot of M five things out there. I gave it away when I said something about taking over a Starship. Oh, you know, I might not have heard that part. I, uh, I, because I, I don't, I didn't hear you say Starship, um, but. Uh, Anyways, that's a good sci-fi reference. I liked it. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> don't don't, but, uh, don't don't cross me on Star Trek. Uh, apparently, TOS, are you anyway. still are you still binging it? You, uh, I remember back before. No, I, I I haven't been binging anything lately. Actually, I have been binging. I, not binging, eh, just trying to get through every, all, every episodes from start to finish in one swell foop, and that's uh, the Expanse. Which I've recommended to a lot of people. You have. I've seen a couple of different recommended. I, you know, and it's funny because when you first mentioned it, I looked at it and then I said, "Oh, that's good," but I'm not going to add it to my list just yet. But I, I, I will soon. I will eventually. I believe. We'll see. But uh, um, yeah, it sounds interesting. The Expanse. Um, so here's. Should I confess? I don't know whether I dare. Uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> All right. Uh, I've been watching Bridgerton. Have you been watching Bridgerton? I have not. 
Bridgerton is uh, have I got the I hope I got the name right. It's Bridgerton, right? Yeah. I I don't know. I mean, what? Uh, uh it's on Netflix. Okay. Um, it's this period drama kind of, you know, uh, upstairs, downstairs, uh, 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 down, what's the, Downton Abbey kind of thing. Bridgerton. Here, let me just make sure. Oh, that explains why I don't know about it. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, okay. Hang on here. I just got to make sure I've got the name right. Uh, yeah, Bridgerton. Bridgerton. Um Anyways, I've been watching Bridgerton. I've also—I don't know, man. I think it's another—it's like another Downton yeah. Abbey thing. Uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, a little bit more. I—I I never watched Downton Abbey, so I really I, don't I, know. I, I never um, either. You know, nor did I watch Upstairs Downstairs. Um, it, Bridgerton, from time to time, gets a little racy, uh, and uh, um, but uh, but I mean, it's very well done, very well written, very well acted, um, very well produced, and uh, um, so Bridgerton. Uh, I confess, I'm also watching... Oh, see, I shouldn't do this. I'm going to pay for this. No, I'm not going to. Um, what else are you watching, Jack? Virgin River. See? No. See? <laughs> These are very... Is that a is that a Pornhub uh, uh No, it's thing? not. No, it's not. Actually, Virgin River is a... a you, you, you do know this, Jeb. I've been trying to track down um, Northern Exposure, the yes. great TV series Northern Exposure. Um and uh, Virgin River is very Northern Exposure, exposure like uh, in terms of you know a city person who finds himself in this charismatic little town in the middle of nowhere. Um, uh, Virgin River is nowhere near as good. No- Northern Exposure was awesome, yeah. right? And and was just above and beyond. Um, uh, Virgin River is, and it doesn't. Virgin River doesn't attempt to be quite as funky as as Northern Exposure was. Um, but uh, but yeah, they, these are things I'm I'm binging. I mean, I, I, we've had nothing to but watch. TV for ten months. It may well be that I'm just running out of out of good things. I don't know. But, um, does it does it have a woman operating a 135 service with a 170 Cessna? Yeah. No. No airplane. No air because this is not Alaska. This is actually Northern California. The, the wilds of Northern California. That, is the that explains for, why I for, uh, don't know for Virgin about River. Um, the uh, uh, it is a doctor though who comes into the small town, or, or in this case, a nurse practitioner. And uh, so, anyways, uh, okay. That's enough, I think. Are we, um, uh, yeah, I, you know, I meant to ask this last, all right, quickly before we sign off here. Uh, everybody, we've all alluded to this. Everybody have a good New Year's and Christmas or whatever holiday it is you celebrate this time of year. Um, David, you were talking about how it snowed and how you you did your abbreviated New Year's thing. Jeb, what did you do for New Year's? I stayed home. I didn't yeah. have any snow to play with. Yeah, okay. Well, I didn't have any snow to play with either, but I stayed home as well. I uh I watched uh I watched New Year's in London on on YouTube and uh and then uh rolled into bed. So mm-hmm. uh, um and and you know even that was you know it's, everybody's so toned down now they don't want to do anything outdoors it's going to attract a crowd because it's dangerous to gather in crowds. So uh, it's funny because I was watching the London New Year's celebration from last year all right um and they do a pretty impressive little fireworks show there over the thames um yeah, at, yeah, at new do. year's i was pretty impressed and uh and then when it got to be midnight this time in london they they sort of did the big ben countdown thing and and then they did a little bit of fireworks but nothing like they did a year ago so uh, that was my new year's um basically new year's is not my holiday so I, it's not really a big deal for me but anyways so, um, and now we're just all hunkered down, waiting for for it to be vaccine time, vaccination time. So, yeah. Anything? All right. Yeah. Anything else we want to talk about in public, or are we done? Wow, I'm just looking here. Um, Northern Exposure is not available. Um, no, for streaming f- or, and there is no DVD available on Amazon. It- Oh, I thought. Well, I, there's the, the the complete series DVDs. Are not, yeah, not that's available. what I found. I could have bought it yeah. for like a hundred bucks or something like that, well, hundred fifty bucks or something like that. There's a, um, and uh, no, that's why I asked. That's why I texted you asking if you had it. And uh, uh, there is a. I'm sorry, I, I take that back. The complete series is available on DVD yeah. on Amazon. It is available on DVD, but it's not streaming anywhere. It's not in streaming any way, anywhere. shape, or form. No. I no. I even kind of sniffed around a little bit for pirates and do, couldn't find it. Um, it's, which is very interesting because it's such a classic, legendary thing. You'd think it would be available. You would think it would be in demand, more demand, but no. Anyways, okay. 